0: Yo, 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 what is going on today? This is John Cox, John Ross, Marcus Cox, actually uh, your humble correspondent here with the Way Too Much JRMC podcast. Hope everybody's having a wonderful Sunday afternoon and that you've had a wonderful weekend up to this point. Um, been 17 days since I've, since I've been here with you. A lot has happened. Um, I've had a, I know personally I've had a wonderful weekend with my family and my football team and my uh wife and kids and and, and all that so I hope y'all are doing the same um yeah uh, i guess the main thing here is just to you know, go ahead and start out with you know, appreciate y'all coming back listening to the show watching the show however how you prefer to t- you know get your content there um if you like what you're hearing today you know please like subscribe share comment yada yada all, all that good stuff to you know the show just so we can get the word out and spread our message and you know maybe encourage some other people to start doing the same and um it's going to be a collective effort um to get us headed back in the right direction as a country i feel like today we got a we have a really really good show um spent some time you know so much time preparing for it and doing doing research and all that good stuff so appreciate y'all's time today i just want to recap one thing here real quick as far as what my goal is here what i'm trying to do you know for you all as listeners, for community members, friends, family, colleagues, all that stuff. My my entire goal here um, with the way too much championship podcast, I want to bring people together. Right? I want to bring I want to bring people together by inspiring by inspiring unity, mostly through vulnerability. I think the hardest thing that we do here um, in our lives is just being open to um. Failure, open to criticism, open to uh, maybe looking like a fool or an idiot at some point in time. Um, so I want to inspire unity through you know through that vulnerability. I really want to start tough conversations so that you don't have to. Um, just to really try to help us realize that we're really not that different. Um, at least most of us as normal, you know, human beings that aren't part of the elite or whatever at this point. Um, I promise i'll I, i'm going to do all that by always being well i'm always being fully transparent with you honest with you showing empathy mutual respect for people that are on the show or people i'm talking about um people that i'm reading their articles and using their data and that kind of that kind of thing um and we'll do this by you know discussing current events both political and cultural in nature and really just contextualizing our past examining our history and then using those things to maximize our future potential um you to, like right now we get so caught in the weeds and so like into our little ideological battles that uh we can't see the light of day you know so uh so yeah so that's where we're at um today is september eighteenth, twenty 2022 and i'm going to show you a couple things here of where what inspired today's show and, and, Initially, so I'm gonna go ahead and show you my screen here. So you will see a graphic here. Um, the graphic for those of y'all that can't see it says debunked SEL, which is social emotional learning, it's a curriculum type thing in schools, improves academics. So Chicago Public Schools was an original pilot school for SEL. This is the fabulous results of 10 years of SEL. Download the 10 years of SEL from the link in our bio below. And here's what the 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 graphic shows so this is again this is Chicago Public Schools says in 2010 which is whenever they implemented their SEL curriculum the CPS CPS had a 79% math proficiency rate and a 70% reading proficiency rate and a 4.48 billion dollar budget in 2021 same school system, Chicago Public Schools now has a 17% math proficiency rate a 21% reading proficiency rate, all while their budget increasing by, you know, basically 50%, from four point four to $6.3 billion. Um, that is just a wild stat. Those are wild stats. I'm sure maybe the, some constants or some variables didn't remain constant, some stuff changed or whatever, but even if the real... Math proficiency rate is 40 or 50 percent. If it was 79 percent, that's the, something we've done over the last decade in Chicago public schools is a problem. And even if it, instead of going from 70 to 21, even let's, let's just be generous here, be generous here. Let's say it went from 70 percent down to 40 or 50 percent for reading proficiency. Still, in a 10 year period, when technology and society has, you know, quote unquote, progressed at the rate it has. Um, that's just to me. That's unacceptable. And then you factor in the fact the budget is two billion more dollars than it has been, or fifty percent more than it was in 2010. Today, then we have, we have some some serious issues um, in specifically Chicago Public Schools. There. Um, here in a minute, I will. I'm going to go ahead and I'll, I'll tell you some similar figures for those proficiency rates as far as the Louisville, Kentucky. Uh, public school system goes, and then give you some surprising, crazy stats nationwide as a country, um, and and we'll kind of compare compare that up, and I'll tell you my thoughts around that. <clears throat> so this is one of the posts. The second one was a post on in a Facebook group that uh, I'm in. I'm in all kinds of little you know parental advocacy groups, or you know public school groups, or homeschool groups, or whatever, where people just talk about the education our children are getting, and some stuff there's wild, <coughs> but. To, this one here was like last week came up that in a in the Oldham County public school system here in here in Kentucky there was a middle school uh, class discussion going on multi day discussion over the five pillars of Islam and how Islam what Islam's impacts on the world were and that, how it compares with Christianity you know that that kind of thing. Um, and I, I, these two these two graphics really, to me, put things in perspective on when I, when I say that like what people would expect me to think or what they'd expect my opinions to be. The stereotype of what I you know, look like, sound like, talk like, couldn't be further from the truth. Um, and here later we will go through and talk about some of the responses to specifically the, this islamic post here um on the five pillars and what my response was to some people in these groups on what my opinion is and what my issue is with it i think i think it will surprise you so just uh, hang 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 in with me here and i i promise this is going to be a very informative uh episode and once it's all said down i'd love for you all to you know t- tweet me send me a, send me a direct message on facebook or text me or Email me at jrmc at waytomuchmedia.com dot com or uh, give me a shout out, put me on blast, whatever. Let's let's uh, let's open the discussion here on what we're about to talk about. So, so yeah, so we'll go from that to just quickly go over here. I'm gonna talk to you a little bit about Jefferson County's. Actually, right now we're gonna talk about Kentucky in, in general, what our literacy rates are. So this is this is an article from the Courier Journal back in october of twenty twenty one and yes all the all you' listen across the country I know I'm talking about Louisville, Kentucky again, but again I can't keep I can't say this enough. I talk about Louisville because it relates it relates with every other major urban city in the country as far as culturally what's happening, you know what kind of you know crime crime trends you know uh things that are happening in our public schools all that, but I feel like it's even more important to know what's going on in Louisville because it's still in Kentucky and the culture here is still very, very conservative as a you know, statewide. And so if it's happening here in Kentucky, it's happening everywhere. And so uh, this is from the Courier-Journal Scott Jennings. He said, recent stories laid bare two looming icebergs that will sink Kentucky's future prosperity. Most of our kids can't read or do math at grade level and half the state's adults aren't working. So we're only going to talk about the education parts of this. He goes on to say about 40% of Kentucky students are reading at grade level and about 30% are proficient in math, according to spring 2021 testing done across the state. The scores were even worse in Louisville, where roughly one in three students in Jefferson County, the state's largest district, are reading at grade level. A little more than one-fifth of JCPS students are where they're supposed to be in math. So a little over two out of ten jcps students jefferson county public schools are at grade level in math he goes on to say it's obvious that covid-19 school closures which were draconian and necessary according to unicef dramatically derailed the academic path of for thousands of kentucky kids and exacerbated the gulf between rich and poor jefferson county schools were among the last to reopen keeping louisville's kids at home was a disastrous policy decision i think we all you all know that i agree with that um he goes on to say if you were the head of a company with a 70 to 80% product failure rate, you'd be run out of town in disgrace. I think we can all agree that that is that's true as well. And this is the kind of the end of this is the end of his um, article here it's on the last page. And Again, all, all this stuff, I basically will scan through every every page of everything I read from with my highlights and my marked up notes and all that. And I'll upload this one PDF for you all to go through if you want. He says we cannot must not accept these conditions damning kids to a lifetime of poverty because adults were too short-sighted and beholden to special interests to open the schools that's absolutely absolutely positively true and so th- this isn't going to be another covid another covid or you know mask episode here you know no- nothing like that one response I have gotten to a lot of this stuff is when I've talked with other people is that, you know, that it's not fair to talk about 2020 and 2021 because it was COVID years and all that. Here's what I'm going to say, again, from a, just being blunt and being straight up, no fluff about this, we have, we don't get any takebacks in life. So, we absolutely have to take 2020 into account because here's the deal. 2020 was one of the years our children are going to get in their lifetimes. You know, they're going what's the average life expectancy in in the United States now, 72 or something. 2020 was one of those 72. So it doesn't matter if it wasn't fair and that we shouldn't count those years and the evaluation of their education and all that. Like, sorry, guys, we just, we have to. That's the only way to, it's the only way to do things. You know, they're not getting that year back. We got to test the future and discuss how to move forward at this point. I I don't know how else to put it. Um... So we'll go. So we're so that, that's where we're at there. Um, going through that. So here's the premise of where I'm coming at right now with this episode. So we talked about SEL, social emotional learning. We talked about Islam and schools. We talked about our absolutely abysmal math and reading proficiency rates across the country. So I read you that what they were across the country, and I told you what they were in Jefferson County. And 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 in the state of Kentucky, if, in, if there's any other states that have numbers that are drastically better than that, please let me know because I haven't been able to find any. Seems like all of our kids are getting less and less of the education that 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 they need, and so that's going to be kind of where I'm headed at with the, with the show today. We have to realize the same way to realize that the year of 2020 has to be included in evaluation, we have to realize that from an education standpoint, time is finite, specifically instructional time. We have a certain amount of time to keep our kids in a classroom where they're going to be engaged and cognizant and present to, to teach them things and we have to get back to the basics of what are those foundational things that we want them to learn. Like as adults, we have to take stock of our own lives and say, "What, what do I wish I knew right now that I don't?" And how, and how could that have been taught to me? You know, that, that's got that has to be something we think about right now and not get caught into the weeds with the, with a lot of this stuff and i actually think that now that i say that i think i'm going to jump i'm going to jump into another i'm going to jump ahead into something in the show and come back to the other part here real quick so let's first talk about the, the, the five pillars of islam so those of y'all that are watching you, you're going to be able to see at least at least one of the slides that was up on the screen in this in this class in oldham county and it basically says the five pillars of islam Talks about, you know, looks like it's faith, prayer, charity, fasting, pilgrimage, and it you know tells a little bit more about the Islamic beliefs and way of life and all that. And so, you know, obviously this close to September 11th, I knew I knew that post was going to inflame some passions and get people talking about religions and yada yada. And well, I bet they're not giving that much time to Christianity and you know all, all that stuff. And I just I, I want to specifically tell you. What my response was, and what my argument was against. So I'm one, I'm in the camp that I don't think that is. I don't think that's a relevant topic, in public schools. Okay, i We got to be specific about that, and got to remember that. I'm not saying there's no value in knowing the Five Pillars of Islam. I'm not saying there's no value in knowing the Ten Commandments. Because I'm a Christian, obviously I do think there's a, there's value in that. But here's, the, here's what I said. Here's the biggest issue I have with this situation and any curriculum, you know, situations or standards. The amount of instructional time students get is finite. So we need to really sit down and establish what we want our core instructional content to be in pretty much every subject. I read on the Daily Wire today, which is Ben Shapiro's show, and I'll, I'll be reading from, this, from that article here in just a couple of minutes. Only 12% of high, school stu- of high school seniors are proficient in U.S. history. Only one in four Americans can name all three branches of government. And we all already know our literacy rates and math proficiency across the board are abysmal. With all that in mind, how do students learning about Islam further progress towards raising any of the above numbers? The answer is it doesn't. I'm not saying I don't think there's any value in learning the material described and showed in the original post, what I am saying is there's no value in it if kids can't read, can't write, and do not have a firm understanding of American history and civics. Now, someone else responded back to that and said there are a number of other real-world things kids should be learning about, business fundamentals, personal finance, Microsoft Office, et cetera. And if you teach it, you know, Islam, why not Hindu... Why not Hinduism, Buddhism, or any other religion-based topic? The one other person went on to say, "I see your point, but those students not proficient in math, reading, whatever else, are probably also not going to remember the lesson they learned about how the fall of the Roman Empire brought about Islam." Being educated in historical events, I'm good with as long as it's not crossing the line into indoctrination. That same class will likely be discussing Catholicism at some point too. So all that, all that to me, I, is a like those are reasonable takes. Right. If we lived in a vacuum. But here's the truth. And so this is where I'm probably going to rub people the wrong way that are listening to the show because I know I have a, you know, my listeners are, very, are predominantly you know, Christian listeners. We don't have time in public schools to educate children on Islam, the Islamic faith or the Buddhism faith or the Christian faith we don't have time for that we can't read we can't write we don't have a common right now our kids are coming out and they don't have a common set of principles to you know, to become a cohesive American society going to the next, next uh, comment was again this is social studies class if you want to understand the motivations of Islam and its impact on history you have to understand where they are coming from this is my point there is no way to cut the fat in our public education system if we think it is the responsibility of public middle schools because it happened in the middle school to teach the motivations of Islam and its impact on history can't read we can't write <laughs> okay and we're getting ready to find out some other very very troubling stats regarding what americans assume and think and how little we know about what's supposed to make the american experiment successful i'm going to read one more uh one more final one more comment, and then I'll read my my final response to this, and I'll move on. I'm beating the dead horse now. It says <clears throat> I, I went on to say again, I have no issue with the learning of this topic or many others that people find issue with due to various reasons. My degree my, my degree personally is in history from University of Kentucky. So i spent many years studying the subject and still continue to consider myself a history student since that's primarily what I read leisurely my issue begins with the finite nature of the amount of instructional time our kiddos have and i feel that our public schools should be preparing our kids to be productive members of american society so unless every student in that course is proficient in u.s history the bad and the good the bad and the good of u.s history okay trying to find my spot here sorry about that the so Unless every student in the course is proficient in U.S. history, the U.S. Constitution, and their federal and state government you know practices and procedures, I just don't see how the material is of value to the student or to the, or to the society the student will grow up to be a, a contributing member of. I want to say one of, one of my two focus areas was the early Christian church. so the time period and how the church operated within it and not I'm not like a you know, theologian or anything. And I love learning about world religions and the conflicts between them. And I bet my knowledge in these areas is you know, somewhat close to master's level. I've had master's level courses, um, graduate level courses. I'm just saying there's zero value in learning the five pillars of Islam or the Ten Commandments. If three out of four Americans can, cannot name the three branches of government, I'd make the same argument regarding being enrolled in Algebra 2 or Calculus if every one of those students enrolled in those courses hasn't had an in-depth course regarding personal finance and passed it. So I'm basically making the argument we just got to get back to fundamentals. Okay, someone else wanted to say they were raised in Indiana. Now they fly all over the country. And having a you know, having a background in a little bit, or having an introduction in customs and religions of other parts of the world would have come in handy for them. And again, that's... I get that. But here's... Again, we're not... We don't live in a perfect world, a perfect society where we have infinite amounts of time to instruct individuals to the full... to the maximum extent possible based on their own, like... You know, their own... uh, You know their own ability to learn more and more knowledge okay but my other response to that is these numbers I'm telling y'all they they don't lie okay our proficiency rates in reading I'm gonna give you Jefferson counties here and again if you live in an urban area in the, in the country this is this is relevant because I guarantee it' be this will look, look very similar so in Kentucky again our I'm sorry in Jefferson County Kentucky our percent of kids reading grade level okay is 45 percent and a percent of kids that are proficient in their grade level math is 36 percent okay and this isn't just like in our bad areas of town in louisville east end is like where we're like the money's at you know what i mean you know where the million dollar houses and everything Three of the prominent elementary schools have a 49% reading proficiency rate, a 58% proficiency rate, and a 65% proficiency rate. And then the best, at the high school level, one of the best high schools in the East End is a 66% literacy rate. Okay, there is only one, two, three, four, five, five out of 132 elementary and high schools on this list. Only five of them are at seventy-five percent or higher in grade in grade level reading. Five in in being proficient in grade level math. There's one, two, three, four. There's there's only five schools there as well that's above seventy-five percent. Think about that. So even like the richest areas of town here, even the richest areas. Are not, are not way up there in math proficiency and reading proficiency. So it's it, listen. Everybody thinks it's their kids that aren't, you know, that are fine. You know, well, my kids are fine. I needed that. I need this. No, they're not, people. Just take stock and admit what's happening. Be honest with yourself, okay? And it's it's gonna make things a lot easier. And again, if your kid is crazy smart. We can't we can't institute a public school system that caters to the crazy smart or the ones at the other end of the spectrum that need, you know, multiple adults giving them constant care. Okay? I mean that like, the mandate that our general assembly has in the state of Kentucky for the education system says that the General Assembly shall by appropriate legislation provide for an efficient an efficient system of common schools throughout the state. It does not say robust. Does not say like handles everything, everything education for every single kid so that parents can all watch NFL on Sundays. And everybody can order dominoes and sit around and eat pizza on the couch and watch whatever show you want to watch. America's Got Talent. It's amazing Kentucky people out there. We love some they love some America's Got Talent down there. So my, I mean, my point here is just, is that we have just gotten, we've gotten so far away from the fundamentals, the values, the principles we are, we're putting the cart before the horse and we're thinking that we're thinking that you become an engineer because you're just always going to be an engineer, right? And that all the other, all those little things in life don't matter, they're just wasting a waste of time, and we have to stop thinking that way. You know, so I'm trying to think, there was might have been one thing. So then, real quick on the SEL part, social emotional learning. This is another thing where you know, there were people that are in these groups. They're supposedly you know conservative groups went on to say, I actually appreciate SEL in schools. I'm not sure SEL is to blame for the lower scores. Just because the data might show there, it, there was an improvement in math or reading does not mean SEL did not make an impact worth the cost. This data does not show the effects on students' mental health and how many lives could have possibly been saved as a result. I almost didn't read this part, read this section from the Soul Exchange on Facebook. I'm so glad I did now because this is a, such an important point. She says, this data does not show the effects on students' mental health and how many lives could have possibly been saved as a result. Saving lives? Mental health? I thought we were talking about educating our youth. I thought schools were supposed to teach. I thought kids would come out and supposed to be better at math and science and be able to read and learn and to know civics. When did our schools become a hospital? i don't ever remember that being something that we all decided they were going to you know that we ever took a vote on that to change them from being centers of education to centers of physical and emotional health and that's what the pandemic with masks and shots and vaccines and you know now on you know now on to mental health and whole child teaching and you know, child protective services. I mean, they, they're they're trying, they're putting all this into schools. And listen to me, guys. If we don't put a stop to it, we're going to have an even more uninformed public. You know, in voting block than than we already do. All right. So that takes me on to my next to my next thing here. I know y'all heard me say this in um, in, those, in, the, in those comments several times and then just say it in general to you guys but one of my biggest focus areas when doing this show is just trying to speak to people and get them to get them to like take a step out of the batter's box and stop looking at anyone trying to talk to you as a pitcher trying to strike you out. Or you are a pitcher. You're trying to crush a home run on, okay? And let's realize that we're a, we're a team. America, we are one team. Okay, we're not like other countries where we have this homogenous population with the same ethnic background, racial background, religious background. In that we are a melting pot. Okay, all that all that binds us together. The the American proposition you know which is what this this article I'm about to talk about it's talking about is our common set of values which is our U.S. Constitution and the Declaration of Independence and that statement that we find it self-evident that all men are created equal that's all that's all we got so if we lose sight of either one of those things if we lose sight of the fact that it's our goal to, to actually see people and see all men and women as being created equal. And I, and I would argue that we're closer today than we ever have been of that. Because let's be honest, we was not real close. We was not really close on believing that as a culture even 50 years ago when white people couldn't drink out of the same water fountain. Okay, so if we don't seriously believe that, that all men are created equal and then believe that we have inherent rights, rights that were given to us by God himself, whether it be Jesus Christ or it be Allah or whoever, whoever your God is. If you're an ancient alien theorist, you know, you got you believe those ancient aliens. My gosh, they came down on, on Earth and bestowed us with certain inalienable rights. But they gave us a bill of rights. Things that were unquestioning, that were unquestionable. Okay, and I, to me, the SEL that that screenshot, another one of that for those five pillars of Islam. Those those two infographics to me sum it all up we have forgotten what we have to be focused on we've forgotten that this stuff isn't it's not inherent in us to know to feel this way okay human nature is is to dominate others not to see everyone as equal it's to take and to survive than to you know, get yours. That's human nature. What we what the American experiment is is a commitment to a set of values and principles specifically because we know they're right and been and Since we know they are right, even though the fact they are hard and some of them are against our human nature, we are going to do everything in our power to to fulfill them. And we don't even talk about this stuff anymore. It's looked at as taboo. It's boring. You talk about the Constitution and you looked at as a conspiracy theorist. So I also think this is a perfect episode to do this because yesterday was Constitution Day. Okay, and so let's go on into this. So this is from the Daily Wire. Jeremy Adams wrote this. It says the the it's an opinion article. I'm gonna show it to you here and again. It'll be in the show notes. The American Proposition: What Honest Abe's Warnings Can Teach Us This Constitution Day. He said, "It's no coincidence that that as America has become more ignorant, it has also become more cynical, more factional, and less confident." And that's a big thing to remember. There, guys, is like this hate this hateful rhetoric. This uh. Quick quick these quick decisions to come back at people we're in argument with with denigrating and negative statements. That's stuff that you do when you don't have any confidence. Okay, when you're ignorant on something, you protect yourself by trying to dominate the other person and win. So when I talk about vulnerability, it's going I talk about is checking yourself with that. Because I know I'm ignorant and dumb on many a issue, but I'm committed to be getting smarter at it and getting more knowledgeable at it and listening to those even that maybe don't deliver me the information in the best way possible and maybe are denigrating to me or condescending. I can still I can still learn from that information. So he says thus, the grand and stirring truth recognized by Abraham Lincoln is that American citizenship is a multi-generational project of perpetually re Reproving, widening, and amplifying the propositional truth of of universal human equality, not equity equality, that stands at the heart of the American regime. This is why robustly teaching American history and American civics is the essential task of education in a pluralistic constitutional republic. For America to endure. Every generation must understand and acquiesce to certain political truths, namely those enshrined in our two founding documents, the Declaration of Independence and the American Constitution, which begs a colossally vexing question. What happens if virtually no modern Americans understand the American proposition? What if they cannot articulate? Then on page two, I'll scroll down for you. what if they cannot articulate much less renew what Jefferson called the American mind and FDR labeled Americanism what if they do not appreciate the sheer power of Martin Luther King's observation that the goal of America is freedom before the pen of Jefferson scratched across the pages of history with the majestic words of the Declaration of Independence we were here and you hear there the people that he talked about Martin Luther King FDR, Thomas Jefferson, these aren't people that had that all came from the same political backgrounds. They're from different time periods, different ages, different ethnic and cultural backgrounds. Okay, but they all were centered on and and you know people that agree with FDR on things probably don't maybe don't agree with uh, Thomas Jefferson on on other things, or Martin King, other things, right? Like, but they were all still focused on the fact that the goal of America was freedom and that freedom came through being knowledgeable in our constitution and being focused on the fact that our number one priority and goal is to see that every man is created equal in this world. He goes on to say, it is not hyperbolic alarmism or or crotchety cynicism to point out that what Lincoln feared most, a generation of ignorant Americans who would somehow sever themselves from the knowledge and habits that make the American experiment possible, has become a haunting and dystopian political reality. Now listen to these. Listen to these stats. And I got more of them coming for you in in this next article. The evidence of our civic decline and ignorance is everywhere around us. Only 12% of American high school seniors are proficient in U.S. history, 12 of all the major subject matter categories, mathematics, reading, science, and the like, U.S. history was dead last, and not by a small margin either. The second worst subject was geography, with 20% of 12th graders reading, uh, reaching proficiency in geography. So think about that for a second. One in 10 Americans, American high school seniors, is proficient in U.S. history. We talk about learning from the past and all that. One in ten. They are in school eight hours a freaking day for 13 years. And the funding of doing that's coming out of your pocket. My pocket. All taxpayers' pockets. Okay, they're not selling shirts on the corner to fund the U.S. public school system. So one in ten high school seniors is provisioned in U.S. history. And two two in 10 okay two in 10 are proficient in geography so we don't know we don't know where we came from you know we literally don't even know where we're going or where we're at we don't know we don't know where we're going or where we're at i mean i just hope everyone sees how you know how worrisome that is okay but let's not pretend it's only school age students they're going to say only one in four Americans can name all three branches of government one in four concepts like federalism and judicial review remain mysteries to broad swaths of the public one in ten college graduates listen to what I'm about to tell you one in ten college graduates Think Judge Judy sits on the United States Supreme Court. One in ten college graduates. We're not talking about rednecks from the from the from the hollers of East Kentucky. All right. Or or poor kids from the hood in Louisville in Jefferson County or Baltimore. We're not talking about those pop, those people. We're talking about the people that supposedly are the ones that like are you know. Well, they're the ones you know they're smart. They're they're they're, they're running stuff. They're they're little bit to fix this. No, all those people. We just we just had to forgive what how many billions of dollars in student loan debt. Even those people, they are coming out of college thinking that Judge Judy is a Supreme Court justice. If we don't see there's a problem, then there's no no turning back. Thomas Jefferson famously remarked, if a nation expects to be ignorant and free in a state of civilization, it, it expects what never was and never will be. When we don't understand values like free speech, we come to believe demagogic tropes like politics are personal or silence is violence or believe all women Okay, or trust the science. When we don't understand that broad political disagreements have always defined America's political landscape We decide and we decide to end friendships on the basis of mask mandates and MAGA hats. Younger Americans won't date those with a different political point of view. That's young Americans, they won't, they won't date, they won't even date people or hang out with people that have different political point of view. But there's there's a very important point there America's always, always been defined by its political disagreements and the. One spectrum to the other. The difference right now is that, and we're going to get into this in, the, in this next article, is we don't have a common framework. That we're, uh, we don't have a rule book. Okay? Like, I love I love playing Monopoly, right? And I've been playing it a long time. I still keep the rule book. Like, I sit on it during the game. Because I'm going to pull it out every now and then and recheck it and make sure that we're doing things the right way when it comes to mortgaging my properties and all that. Make sure other people ain't cheating. We literally think that we are just flying by the seat of our pants. And as you'll see, we think that certain branches of the government are doing certain things. And we, I mean, we're just so ignorant. All the while, spending $6 billion on social emotional learning in our schools and arguing about, well, as long as they give Christianity the same time as we give, as they give Islam, or as long as they give Judaism the same time as they give Christianity and Islam, I don't care. We don't have the time to show every religion the same amount of instructional emphasis. If we do that, they're, we're not going to, and we are currently not learning what needs to be learned and what needs to be being taught in our schools. He's going to say, we have no king or queen, no sovereign to unite or unify us. Instead, instead, we have a constitution, a document that is not only a noun, but also a verb. Because it constitutes a nation by providing the legal framework for we the people to become a singular nation with a singular ethos. He goes on to make the request. On this Constitution Day, take a few minutes to learn about the American Constitution. Figure out why Madison was the father of the Constitution. Read up on the differences between an article and an amendment. Say the preamble out loud. Most of all, don't take Constitution Day for granted. It is more important than we think. Just ask our sixteenth president. So, that is an article from the Daily Wire, which is an obvious. You know, for those of y'all don't know, it's Ben, you know, Ben Shapiro, Matt with the Matt Walsh, What Is a Woman documentary just came out. That's their website. I think it's the most, it's probably the most prominent conservative news organization in the country at this point. Um, certainly alternative news. You know, if it's not bigger than Fox News, it's headed in that direction and it's definitely more influential and more intellectually honest. But I'm also going to, we're, we're going to get into, I'm going to bring you up and we're going to talk through a an essay written by someone that if you read the essay, it's obviously she comes from the other end of the political spectrum. Okay. But the fact that she's talking about the same things means that like i we her and i we can disagree on certain content because at least we're coming at it on the same grounds and we can argue details after that because we both i know that we both would agree on how to determine constitutionality and how to determine mandates of certain programs and you know what powers the legislatures have and 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 all that you know all those things i know that we could Come to a common ground on that. Okay, so, again, for those of y'all that aren't that aren't watching, I will provide this in the show notes. But now I'm reading an article from Sheila Kennedy. I think that this was from 2019. Her essay is titled, Civic Ignorance and Democratic Accountability. Okay. She says, For at least the past decade, political scientists have expressed growing concern over the erosion of democratic norms, as well as the inadequacies and outright corruption of both governance structures and electoral processes. He goes on to say that the, those expressions of concern markedly accelerated during the 2016 election, saw accusations of vote irregularities, yada yada. People in 2016 were saying the same thing that people were saying right now with 2020. In 20, you know, All that stuff again she's obviously coming from the left so everyone knows i'm coming from the right you know excuse me but her point is absolutely valid okay that we are experiencing an erosion of democratic norms because we are failing to teach them we aren't teaching them to our children because we're talking about CRT and we're arguing about whether they have pornographic books like gender queer in our just sitting in our public school libraries okay we're uh, we're having a conversation and spending time arguing on you literally have one side of the aisle that thinks if you're a trans kid or a gay kid that you are nothing more than a sexual being that's just sexually, overtly hungry. And the only way to relate with the character in, a, in literature is if that person has an immense desire to perform sexual acts on others. We have one side of the aisle saying that. For those of you that are unaware, that's the left side. But we're spending so much time arguing that fight and not just saying, listen, enough is enough. We're not even including you in the conversation anymore. You're out. Because it's crazy, okay. The fact that we're talking about Islam in schools and we have people that are conservative acting like it's appropriate in our public education system tells you where the problem is, okay. We think we're going to teach everything from age five to age eighteen, and at that point you you're into the workforce and you no longer learn anything else. We think that you hear something once and you know it forever. Well, if you've if you've taught if you've coached a sport or taught in any real fashion, you know as an educator, as a coach, that you are in a perpetual state of saying of of sounding like a broken record. You have to decide what your principles and fundamental values are, and you gotta drive those bad boys home. And then you have to Constantly remind yourself, review them, restate them, like re-emphasize them. No matter how good you get at anything, if you are good at football, you are also inherently, you you are also good at getting into a good stance for your position. And the minute you stop getting into your stance well would be the minute you are no longer employed in the game of football or relevant to your team of that sport because you have, your fundamentals have to be crisp. If you're a sports fan, Steph Curry's a perfect example of this. My my guy, the Golden State Warriors, is going to be in like the best three-point shooter, highest three-point scoring shooter in the history of the NBA. One of the things that makes him a great shooter is his shoulders and his shot is always square to the basket. No matter where he's shooting from, no matter what ain't no matter what position his lower half of his body is, he could be facing the crowd. He will figure out a way to get his from waist up, turn back around to the basket and squared up with a ninety degree angle, fall through on his fall through his wrist. Because he's that's why Steph Curry, he's good at the fund of freaking mentals okay this uh what i say this person was sheila kennedy right sheila kennedy goes on to say scholars and pundits have offered a variety of theories to explain the loss of democratic accountability and many of their analysis are persuasive undoubtedly a number of factors have contributed to the current weaknesses of america's democratic systems it's the thesis of this paper however that the significance of one such contributing cause is routinely underappreciated That contributing cause is the Americans the American public's lack lack of civic literacy. If we can't read and we can't write, how can we understand something as complicated as a constitutional republic and the inherent rights that are recognized in it. In Chicago, twenty-one percent of their kids, their public school kids, have a are reading at grade are have, are reading at grade level, or have a, a proficiency rate. Meet that at the back. Grade level reading and reading at a, at a proficient level actually are different. Reading at grade level would be a lower standard. But 21% of those kids can read at a, at, a, you know, at a challenging level to where they could apply in real-life, in real-world situations. A substantial and growing body of data in- indicates that a majority of Americans are woefully ignorant of America's Constitution and the basic legal structures. Here's some more stats to s- smack you in the mouth with. In 2016 only 26% of the American public, all Americans, not just public school kids, young kids, we're talking about eight-year-olds, we're talking about the American public, the voting electorate, could name the three branches of government. Fewer than half of 12th graders are able to describe the meaning of federalism And I challenge each of you to be honest with yourself on whether or not you know what federalism is. Because when you hear the word federal, you assume that it means something national. Something centralized. No. The United States is a federalist society with 50 states that are sovereign states. That have agreed upon certain values and principles that's going to allow them to say we're teammates. All men are created equal. Freedom of speech. Freedom of religion. Right to bear arms. Right to a speedy and quick trial. Right to face our accusers. Federalism means That your state, your state is sovereign. Okay? They set their own laws there. Only 35% of teenagers can correctly identify we the people, can correctly identify we the people as the first three words of the Constitution. That makes me want to cry. In a survey cited by the Carnegie Foundation, just over one-third, zoom out a little bit here, just over one third of Americans thought that while the founding fathers gave each branch of government significant power, they gave the president, quote unquote, the final say. So over 33% of Americans think that the Supreme Court and the legislative, and so the judicial and legislative branches were there to basically to be uh, to make suggestions. And then the president was got to make the final say. It tells you exactly right there why the executive order culture that we're in now, where presidents get into signing, signing, sign these executive orders for everything. That tells you why right there, because people literally think that's how it works. Just under half, 47%, knew that a 5-4 decision by the Supreme Court carries the same legal weight as a 9-0 ruling. That means over half didn't know that. So 53% of people think that a 5-4 decision carries less legal weight than a 9-0 decision. And almost one-third mistakenly believe that the United States Supreme Court ruling could be appealed. Almost one in three people voting in our elections, or at least eligible to vote in our elections, think that a Supreme Court ruling can be appealed. And one in five, 25%, believe that when the Supreme Court divides five to four, with still a majority, of majority decision, the decision is then referred to Congress for resolution. 58 percent of Americans can identify a single department in the in the United States cabinet. Only five percent of high school seniors can identify checks on presidential power. Only. could name the two major political parties. Half of our high school seniors can't tell you, they can't say, don't know Republican and Democrat. Only 11% knew the length of a senator's term, and only 23% could name. Holy cow. Only 23% of high school seniors. And she cites us in there. It's like there's it low civic literacy a wicked problem. It was uh, this was this was published in 2015, so okay. hell things might be worse. Only 23% could name the first president of the United States of America. Hug your children, folks. She says, on a personal level, civic ignorance complicates the interactions between citizens and their government that are an almost daily part of American life in the 21st century. She says, ignorance also exacerbates inequality. Citizens who understand how the political system works are advantaged in a number of ways over those who do not. I can tell you right now, this person, we are, she, if we had to be tribal and put ourselves, paint ourselves into a corner, she's a Democrat, I'm a Republican. Her and I on the on the on her thesis of this of these of this essay could not be in more total agreement. Ignorance of the overarching national principles. Ignorance of the overarching national principles to the which citizens are bound encourages political constituencies to work for passage of laws and policies. Listen to this. Ignorance of the overarching national principles to which citizens are bound encourages political constituencies to work for passage of laws and policies advantageous to their specific interest or consistent with their parochial worldviews that often conflict with both the Constitution and the common good. And people, listen, I'm telling you right now, I've been trying to figure out how to what how to say what I felt was wrong with what, with our society and our culture right now, and Sheila Kennedy just just told me. She just put into words for me. I was going to Frankfurt, write, you know, writing bills, writing amendments, and I was realized I realized really quick, okay, that no one was no one was thinking about how what they were trying to pass how it fit into the constitution and whether or not it was constitutional they just were writing bills and just assuming well if we pass it because we passed it with the majority it's law that's not how this works and that's why everybody's frustrated because everybody that disagrees with them also thinks that if they pass it, it means that it's law and that there's nothing they can do about it. You are protected from that. They can't take away your right to bear arms. They can't, they cannot give the right to tax the public to any any elected or otherwise body other other than the legislative branch. They have the purse string. They can't. School boards have no. I don't care what courts have said. I don't care. It's in the Constitution that only the legislative branch can levy taxes. She goes on to say, how did we get here? This is in diversity and distrust. Stephen. M- Macedo addressed the importance of civic education and the civic mission of the nation's public schools. As he wrote, the project of creating citizens is one that every liberal democratic state must undertake, and that project requires what he called a degree of moral convergence in order to sustain a constitutional order. The most pluralist, diverse, and tolerant polities still require substantial agreement on basic political values. Such agreement, or disagreement for that matter, Requires knowing those values. Again. We're talking about if we agree or disagree on things that don't even matter. Because they're unconstitutional. So there's no reason to even talk about them. The primary responsibility for transmitting that information lies within public schools. And I will agree with them on that. Again. Again. There are people on the right side of the aisle that think we should just do away with the Department of Education and all that. Maybe so. I just don't, I don't think it's possible without, without, because we're so deep in the rabbit hole, I don't think it's possible without, without crazy amounts of despair and death and consequences on the periphery. We're, in, we're already in the system. It's going, it's going to continue to, to, to be there. But one thing that would clean it up substantially and quickly is if we all agreed, if we all agreed that civic literacy and understanding of our U.S. history, bad and good, if we all could come to the agreement, that the primary responsibility for, for, for transmitting that information lies in public schools. Because if we all admitted that, the amount of time coupled with teaching them to read and write would mean a lot of this other nonsense would just, it would be forced out the window. We don't have time to talk about if you're gender fluid with a 7th grader or a 3rd grader if we say we have to make sure kids can read, write, and they understand their rights as an American and how the system works, we don't have time. Says, the American public education has been criticized and attacked for years. Business organizations complain about inadequate workforce development. Technology companies demand more STEM, science, technology, engineering, and math instruction urban minority populations point to glaring evidence of unequal resources between schools attending, attended primarily by poor children and those located in wealthier suburbs. Again, how much easier would it be to address those issues if we could agree on the fundamental purpose of our public education system of being being proficient in math, being proficient in reading, proficient in writing, being proficient in civic literacy if we said those four things we have have to have them and if we can figure out ways to implement more things we will but not until every single student proves they are proficient in those things you want to learn about the five pillars of Islam or the ten commandments great show me you can balance a checkbook first And that you know how Americans go about amending the Constitution. If you can't, sorry. In many states, privatization advocates have established state voucher programs that permit parents to remove their children from the public school systems entirely and send them to private, almost always religious schools. A recent survey I conducted with a colleague found that none of those programs, none of them, require participating schools to offer civics instruction. And again, I don't know how the government, I don't know how our fed or how our state governments mandate, you know, private schools or homeschooling and all that. Like, I don't I don't think they should. You know, I homeschool my kids and you know, like I'm gonna handle those things the same way I'm gonna teach them about Christianity. I don't think our public school system, even if they were going there, should have been responsible for that. But here's the thing culture can require them. To teach those things, you know why? Because if we made it a point that every kid coming out of public schools, whenever the majority of children are, that if every kid coming out of public schools, we're going to be able to read, write, you know, point their state out on a freaking map, and know that Judge Judy wasn't a Supreme Court justice, and they're going to know their constitutional rights and protections and the purpose and what the American proposition is. Those homeschool parents and those private schools they very dang they they better teach it because their their students won't come out competitive in the workforce and as contributive members of society which would mean people would be less likely to utilize them now that's not an overnight fix I get that it's hard we're Americans that's why that's why we're here we like hard stuff we do things that are hard because they're hard Although the outcomes of these and other specific efforts to improve public ed range from distressing to debatable, the very different diagnosis of the systems, problems, and reformers, very different prescriptions for improvement, have highlighted what may be the most significant impediment to effective education reform, a lack of agreement about what education is, how success should be measured, and what the mission of public schools should encompass in a diverse and democratic, I would take away the democratic and say uh, in, in a constitutional republic, nation to say that people engaged in this public debate are continuing to talk past each other would be an understatement I want everyone that thinks they're on the other side of the political spectrum for me to hear me when I say this if you think that is a true statement I would rather talk to you and have a conversation with you and be on a team with you to move forward than I would someone that thinks they agree with me because I got an American flag hanging in the background and I got long hair and sound like a redneck and go, and go to Christian church. I'd rather talk to you than someone who thinks it is our public school's responsibility to raise up good Christians. Education reform that neglects the civic mission of public schools would seem to be inadequate by definition, yet education reformers have only recently begun to focus on the importance of civic education. An added irony of that neglect is that schools are increasingly being tasked with helping students achieve news literacy by equipping them with tools they can use to assess the credibility of the media sources they encounter. Everyone who thinks that everybody's susceptible to fake news, right or left. Both sides think the other side are idiots. Let me tell you one of the most effective tools to combat that. Civic knowledge. Civic literacy. And the founding fathers wrote it in a way to where even people, even idiots like me, cavemen like me, can understand it. When American, when American schools ignore the responsibility to provide students with an adequate civic education, there are no other institutions Able to fill the resulting vacuum, zero. They're either gonna get it there or they ain't gonna get it, because their parents ain't even got it. Fact of the matter is, chances are their parents are nine or one of those nine out of ten. Or sorry, let me reverse that. Chances are their parents are one of those one out of ten where they think Judge Judy's on the Supreme Court. And don't forget, it's even college-educated people. They're ignorant, too, when it comes to this stuff. Voters who have only the haziest notion of the task for which their elected officials are responsible have no way of evaluating the performance of those officials for purposes of casting informed votes. Informed votes. Voters who don't understand checks and balances or functions of the judiciary are more easily persuaded that imperial courts have acted illegitimately when a decision is issued with which they disagree. Voters who do not know their rights are more easily deprived of those rights by state actors who are acting illegitimately. And she goes on to say, as various examples of voter suppression have illustrated. Again, she keeps coming back to these left-wing things, right? Voters who don't know their rights are more easily forced to wear masks every single day or more easily convinced they don't have a right to go to freaking church. Andy Beshear has made a large swath of this population believe that he has the right to tell them if they can go to church or not. That's our Kentucky governor. Research confirms that less knowledgeable citizens are less likely to engage with the democratic system and much less likely to vote. People who have never encountered and thus don't understand the basic philosophy of the United States Constitution can neither form an allegiance to its principles nor articulate reasons for rejecting such an allegiance. So what do they do since they can't explain it? They just fall in line with their tribe and its leader and regurgitate whatever it is that they're vomiting out of their mouth. The loyalties of the uninformed tend to default to their tribal affiliations. Do we want to win or do we want things to get better? Do you want to be remembered? Or do you want your grandchildren, your great-great-grandchildren that may not remember your name to be living in a more just and sound America? Your answer may be the former. You may just want to win. If that's the case, l- at least you made the, the, the decision consciously and you and I can go to battle, Right? I'm going to read all this, and then I'm going to finish with my, own, you know, with my own little remarks here. Is, unlike citizens of countries characterized by racial or ethnic homogeneity. This is on page 427 of this. Second paragraph. American identity is rooted in allegiance to a particular worldview. It is based upon an understanding of government and citizenship originating with enlightenment and subsequently enshrined in the United States Constitution and Bill of Rights. When a polity is diverse, as in the United States, it is particularly important that citizens know the history and philosophy of their governing institutions in the absence of other ties, race, religion, national origin, which we don't have, we're a melting pot. A common devotion to constitutional principles democratic norms is critical to the formation of national identity that devotion obviously requires knowing what those principles and norms are you have to know them you can't assume them you have to know them you have to get them from the source if american diversity means that our national ideals must constitute our civil religion and act as our social glue Ignorance of those ideals becomes far more consequential than is than is commonly understood. The United States national motto, "E pluribus unum," translates into "Out of many, one," and that one is that all men are created equal and are were bestowed certain inalienable rights, not not even by the U.S. government, by God Himself. Adherents of virtually every religion on the globe live in the United States, and recent polls show considerable growth in the numbers of Americans who consider all religion irrelevant to their lives. And that's a problem that's a, that's a topic from their discussion. Americans don't share races or ethnicities or countries of origin, and those who live in different parts of the United States occupy different political and social cultures. These extensive differences raise profoundly important questions. What commonalities are available to enable and define the collective civic enterprise? What makes one an American? This is where me and Miss Kennedy here are in total agreement. A civil religion, okay. We are a religious nation. We are defined by religion, okay. I would argue that we have a Christian background. Yes, our re- we have a civil religion. That is our common value structure. It provides citizens with a sense of common purpose and identity. In order to be consistent with the Constitution. Any civil religion must respect the nation's commitment to individual autonomy in matters of belief while still providing an overarching value structure to which most, if not all, citizens can subscribe. This is no small task in a nation founded upon the principle that government must be neutral among belief systems. However, most Americans do claim to endorse an overarching ideology or civil religion a belief system based upon the values of individual liberty and equal rights enshrined in the United States Constitution and Bill of Rights. If those claims are to have actual content, if allegiance to the Constitution is to function as an umbrella belief system that, per- that supersedes tribalism, citizens must have a familiarity with its principles and their application and a common understanding of their proper application. Currently, they don't. Currently, civil literacy is not sufficient but it is essential we are failing the next generation we're failing our children we're failing our friends children we're failing our grandparents our grandfathers that fought and died for this country of all races colors backgrounds religions all We're failing them, and in the spirit of vulnerability, I'm going to tell you all the truth. Until January of 2022, I was part of the problem. I thought being informed meant I listened to Ben Shapiro or watched Tucker. Back in the day, I was watching Bill O'Reilly. You know, it meant you or it meant it meant that I watched Bill Maher on Friday nights or watched some CNN around just to get a you know. Dose the other side. I thought that was being engaged and thought the, I thought that is what classified me as being a part of the, a part of the solution. But I was—that that is just as bad as being unengaged altogether. But as I embark on this journey I'm on to unite people from different communities and in my instance, specifically the black community and middle class and lower class white communities that is that's my goal with this i'm not i can't you know that's a that right there is big that's a big enough challenge in itself okay but like those those are two communities that i feel like i can speak to and that i have you know a history with and some experience with and then i feel like i know beyond the shadow of a doubt that we we're actually on the same page, even though the news and national media keeps telling us that we're not, and that we hate each other. But the reason I know, and I did, you know, I couldn't put it into words until really, really. I mean, I, this this episode was big for me. Reading these articles, the reason that I that I have time and time and time again had conversations with people from totally different backgrounds than me. Okay, black people from every, from all over the place, from all over the globe, all over the United States. The reason I've been, we, whether we know it or not, okay, the reason that we see eye to eye is because we inherently believe in in freedom, and we believe in the fact that all men are created equal, and we believe that we just need to know the rules of the game so that we can try to succeed in it, in that game. We have the rule book already. It's the United States Constitution. In my situation, it's the Kentucky Constitution. You know, then I'll add in there, it's like, you know, I also have my religious framework, my Christian upbringing. But I just want everyone to know, you it's okay if you aren't there yet. Nine months ago, I had never engaged in my government. Nine months later, I, I can pull you up, I can pull it up online and show you double-digit amendments that I that I've gotten filed to bills in the state, and I can show you a bill that a lot well obviously with help that I helped draft and it got passed out of one chamber of our state legislature that's how it's supposed to work and it ain't hard sorry I just said I ain't representative you know who it is I've made an hour and 20 minutes without saying it it's not hard but you gotta be okay with being vulnerable looking like a fool sometimes okay maybe looking stupid, sounding stupid looking ignorant but you gotta, as long as you're going with a clear heart and you wanna get involved and you wanna learn the opportunity is there but our communities, we have to agree on the fact that the the constitutions that govern us are what holds us together. It's the social glue. It's not the civil rights movement, okay? It's not that we. It's not that we all like the Dallas Cowboys, or that we're all Christians. It's not those things. This country has a its own religion, and the Bible is the U.S. Is the Constitution. I don't care what judges have deline- delineated from it and like uh denigrated it and ignored it and chipped away at it. There was a point here in one of these articles let me see if I can find it real quick that I thought was so important for what the purpose is here. It was basically saying I'm going to find It, it says the grand and stirring truth recognized by Abraham Lincoln is that the American citizenship is a multi generational project of perpetually reproving, widening, and amplifying the propositional truth of universal hum- human equality It stands at the heart of the American regime. We're at a point, we're at a precipice as a society where we, we are either going to reprove, okay, resubstantiate, reaffirm, reestablish, the fact that we are governed by our constitutions and not by majority rule of whatever that these people want to put forth we have to recommit to being being well read and learned in these in our civic processes and what our government's what the responsibilities are to us and what our responsibilities are to it we have to recommit to fundamentals and realizing that knowing big picture things like the five pillars of Islam mean nothing. Mean nothing if we don't know the the Bill of Rights and the First Ten Amendments, 10, First Ten Amendments First Ten Amendments of the US Constitution. I don't care what your response is to me. They the, the five pillars of Islam do not matter. From a, from a US cultural societal standpoint. Our public school system should be teaching all kids to read and write, do personal finance, how to balance a checkbook. You should you should be reading in depth the U.S. Constitution and the Kentucky Constitution and be engaging in the processes. Okay, not just brushing over it so that you can get on to whatever your culture warrior topic is at the time, social justice warrior. So if you're in government already, that's what my challenge to you is if you're in the legislature and you already have the power to vote, refocus yourself on that to only vote for things that are constitutionally relevant and they are constitutional in nature and stop passing things that are unconstitutional and then waiting on someone to challenge you on it in the court system because the future that leads to is, is a revolution It's easier for people to pick up a weapon than it is for them to for them to dive into a book. Let's acknowledge that truth and say that we don't want to go there. I don't want to be, I don't want anybody to get into that point. I love everyone, everyone that's around me. Let's realize that the reason football teams that are good are good are good because they keep the main thing, the main thing. They focus on the fundamentals. And no matter how, at what level they get to, they may make it to the NFL. They still have the fundamentals. They still know them. Let's stop getting in the weeds fighting over stupid stuff. Over over whether or not a teacher should inform a minor's parents that they're pregnant. Of course you should. Shut your mouth. Of course it's inappropriate for these pornographic books to be in schools. Of course it is. It's it's totally unacceptable. Let's stop arguing about it and just get it out and get back to what we're supposed to do. Get kids ready to be a part of American society, a productive member of it. Not ready for college because college ain't preparing them either. One in ten college graduates think that Judge Judy... He's on the Supreme Court. The system is failing top to bottom. I'm gonna leave y'all with that. Again, this isn't a negative this isn't this isn't a negative conversation. It's necessary. We have to do it. We gotta talk about it so that we can move forward and build on it. I appreciate all you guys. Thanks for listening. Be on the lookout for the show notes. If you have any questions, want to, want to cite anything, whatever, tweet the show, share it on Facebook, share it on Instagram, like, you know, like it on YouTube, like it on Rumble, all that stuff. If if you want if you want to make a difference and you want some you want everything to be you want this stuff to come from the grassroots, I need you. I'm going to put the work in, but I need your help. Follow me on any of the normal channels Just type in way too much w-a-y the number two m-u-c-h capital letters j-r-m-c which mr mc on any of those social platforms follow me on there thanks out for your time i gotta get offers time to get time to get to my jv football game love all y'all have a great rest of your weekend